Hello, Tudor-minded people. It's Philadelphia Carrier for Tudor Time Machine. The word I share with you this week is elenginous. Oh, this word conjures up memories that pierce my heart. Am I a woman? Indeed. Have I loved in vain? Oh, yes. Have I thought the elenginous of thwarted love should kill me? Yes. Oh, me. When I was a young maiden, I became acquainted with a nobleman of high birth and true beauty. His name shall not escape my lips. He too loved, but his father's ambition lay on a lady of equal rank to myself, but of greater fortune. I am one of a large family, ten of us living, and my own dowry was modest. I remember the words I wrote to my love when I found we were not to be married. I did not protest. I acquiesced. My best beloved, I am very sorry to hear that your father is still in the humour of offering you more wives. As for me, I think if I had a greater portion, he would not so much mislike of me than he does. Oh, I was young and inelegant. I loved, and I should perhaps have held my beloved to his promises, but I released him from his obligation. I signed my letter thus. Though I be left in eternal elenginous, I send my best wishes for your good fortune and happiness in all your business. I rest ever your truly loving friend while I breathe. P.C. Oh, heartbreak. Elenginous. How now, Tudor Files, what think you? If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. And we're here with a very romantic Philadelphia carry for Tudor Word of the Week. Don't miss a word and listen to the Tudor Time Machine Story Project. So diverting. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Tudor Files, thank you for listening. Every one of you has the wit of Rosalind and the heart of Cordelia. And thank you for writing to Philadelphia on YouTube and suggesting words. We love your suggestions, so keep them coming. How do you spell elenginous, our Tudor word of the week, Philadelphia? It is spelled E-L-E-N-G-E-N-E-S-S. And the word means loneliness, misery, anguish, torment. Wretchedness, suffering, all because of love. Love. Oh, you may mock, my dear Gage, but love is pain. Of course. But I do think most people recover from elenginous. I mean, you did, Philadelphia. You recovered from heartbreak and made a very favorable marriage. I confess it. I wed my good husband, Thomas Scroop. Baron Scrope of Barton, courtier to our blessed queen, warden of the West Marsh, and knight of the Garter. See, there you go. I'm not doubting you loved this other gentleman. I'm sure that when you wrote to him, you felt like you would never stop loving him. And it just aches that you weren't going to be able to be together. But you moved on. You forgot your anguish. People change. It is so but in the moment of elenginous, it seems that one will never stop loving. That's true, but then, when we look back, 
We can't believe we felt so strongly about that person, someone we don't love anymore. In fact, the use of our word comes from a love letter written by a man notorious for falling in and out of love, King Henry VIII himself. My good Queen Elizabeth's father, oh, the fiend! Husband of six wives, so goes the ditty. Divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, beheaded, survived. And this love letter is addressed to Anne Boleyn. My good queen's much-wronged mother. So it's one of a series of 17 love letters sent by Henry to Anne. The letters are undated, and some bits are in French, but most are in English. Historians think the letters were probably written between 1527 and 1528, when Anne was taken away from court. So far, the other side of the correspondence, Anne's letters to Henry, have not surfaced. But wouldn't that be quite a find? Wow. It would be. Anyway, Henry's letters ended up at the Vatican, which seems very strange. Does it? No doubt they were stolen by some Italian spy who sent them thither when the king was trying to get his divorce from Catherine of Aragon. And I am not surprised Queen Anne Boleyn's letters do not survive. No doubt Henry destroyed them. So these letters are sometimes promoted as being romantic and a testament to true love, which I find kind of hard to swallow given what we know about the hideous end of this love story. I mean, I understand they really did think they loved each other and then they didn't and this happens a lot, but I can't take these letters very romantically personally. To me, they seem like a testament to how something that seems genuine if it ever was genuine, can end up being a hideous nightmare. I know reading them makes me feel kind of cynical and depressed, not warm and fuzzy. He tries to get her to return to court, and he tries to get her to tell him how much she loves him. And he tells her he wants to kiss her duckies, yes, her breasts. And he checks in about her health, and he complains about being lonely and it's funny because in each one of the letters, he also complains about not having much time to write. That is so typical. Sorry, honey, I'm pressed for time. And his handwriting is really messy. It's like he's dashing off a note. And of course, when you think about it, most of the time, Henry was undoubtedly dictating to someone who was writing his letters. So these letters he actually wrote himself. So, of course, they're not going to be as beautifully written as notes that he sent to other dignitaries and things like that. Philadelphia, can you read the letter where Henry uses our word of the week? The king writes, Mine own sweetheart, this shall be to advise you of the great Elenginus that I find here since your departing. For I assure you, methinketh the time longer since your departing now last than I was wont to do a whole fortnight. I think your kindness and my fervency of love causeth it, for otherwise I would not have thought it possible that for so little a while it should have grieved me. But now that I am coming towards you, methinketh my pains be half removed. And also I am right well comforted in so much that my book maketh substantially for my matter, in looking whereof I have spent above four hours this day, which causeth me now to write the shorter letter to you at this time, because of some pain in my head. Wishing myself, especially an evening, 
in my sweetheart's arms, whose pretty duckies I trust shortly to kiss. Written by the hand of him that was, is, and shall be yours by his own will. H.R. Oh, the rogue! Hear him confess his love for Anne, his constancy, his elenderness at her absence, and yet within ten years he would command her eternal absence. He would have her head chopped off. It's a crazy turn of events. And of course, Henry was particularly brutal. I mean, the man had two of his wives executed. My friends, you know well that Anne Boleyn was my great aunt. Her sister Mary was my grandmother and my grandmother could not openly express her horror at her sister's death. Anne's name was not to be spoken. All her possessions, anything with her initials or her emblem, was destroyed. No one said a word. The king's brutality could not be censured. Even in the reign of my good Queen Elizabeth we dared not speak against good King Henry, as he was so called. Fortunately, we can do it now. Sure, one of the most popular musicals out right now is all about hating on Henry. The Musical Six. It's a modern take on the six wives, and each one gets to tell her own story. Henry's not even in it, Philadelphia. Huzzah! Let's hear some of the opening number. play? Nope. It's all from the wives' point of view. Oh, I do like that. Down with King Henry. I say it loud. I feel no elenginess at his departure. Give heed to the files. Bring some 16th century source to your vocabulary with elenginess. Don't miss a word. Listen in next time and give me a like. (laughs) 